this part of scripture, and we're in the book of, wrong, we're in the book of Isaiah, I'm kidding. We're, we're in the book of Mark, and uh, sometimes when you read a couple verses, and it's hard to ignore because it's just a few verses, and I, I, I read scripture oftentimes by section, and we in, in the uh, modern world have put the Bible into sections and kind of kind of identified what's going on there, verse numbers. That was not originally there. Um, but I got to this portion of Mark 12, and it's only four verses, but it packs a punch. And it's not one that you can ignore. But you can read it and feel very convicted because Jesus, listen, Jesus wants to change your heart. And I've been thinking about this all week that, if you're taking notes or you have a good memory, please remember this thought because this is what God's been repeating over and over and over. And so it's going to be masked. This sermon is going to be masked in a giving type of sermon, okay, money. Uh, and it's not really about money, okay? It, it really isn't because some people give a bunch of money and they don't do it with their heart and God doesn't, he's not pleased, you know? I can give a million dollars, but if I do it with a bad attitude or I'm prideful, look at how much, I got a million dollars to give away. Let me just, here you go. Let's, and then they'll have my name, the, the, the Joel Bremer Sanctuary, you know. Um, it really is about allowing Jesus to change the inside of you. And everything that we do is an outpouring from what Jesus has already poured into us. Okay. I don't have this in my notes. I'm trying to flesh it into a nice cute little statement, but every the, we're allowing Jesus to change us on the inside so that everything that we do, everything that we're about is an outpouring or even an, a reaction to what Jesus has already done inside of us. Okay, it's not, and I even wrote this just a second ago as Michelle was, I was listening to what you were saying, every single literal word you were saying, but the thought came into my head was that religion says, I have to do this, I have to go to this, I have to give in the offering, I have to. Relationship says it's an outward sign, something that I'm doing for God, even if, even set aside the whole idea of money, but just serving God, doing the things that God wants you to do, speaking to someone about Christ. Everything is an outward sign of an inward reality, something that's going on the inside. It means I'm alive. Someone that is spiritually dead, they're not going out and doing what God wants to do. Okay, so as a part of worship service. Now, now, pause that for just a moment, that idea. Remember that idea that I just said. Because I'm going to go into another part of this message that it's masked as a message on giving. And it's giving, there's a million different ways to give. Not just financially. Some people that are rich, they don't even, it doesn't even matter to them. They just write the check or do whatever. Pastor, what do we need to get done around here? I can write the check. So it's not even a, it, it, what it is, is about allowing God to change us. And then what's our reaction? What's the reaction in my life? How do I respond? So, but let's talk about giving for a moment because you can't go into Mark 12 and not talk about it. And so you have been part of worship services how many of us have been part of worship services our entire life, basically? Yeah. So you know there's a few ways that churches have part of their worship service. A, they pass around a plate. 
some big churches I've been to, popcorn buckets. Some of them I've seen a long time ago, there was this big long pole with a bag at the end, and they're like, and it goes along the aisle. Have you ever seen that? I'm like, that's scary. Um, sometimes there's a box at the end of the sanctuary that as you leave or you come in, you can give your tithes and offerings in the box. And in a sense that I, either A, that would be more, let me show you what I'm doing, or B, it would be more secretive. Maybe it might be better. I don't know. But I've heard many different ways. And so it's so easy when it comes to the offering. Again, let's take a deep breath, okay? Money's not the root. Money's the root of all evil. No, 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 no. The love of money is the root of all evil, okay? So let's get that out of the way, okay? But let's just take a deep breath. Everybody here enjoys money, Okay, that whole idea of going to the store and buying a bunch of stuff, it's been a while, but going, it happens once in a while, I see it, that you go there and pay for it and you don't have enough money. And then you have a grocery cart full of groceries you can't bring home and then they wheel it in the back and they have an employee that puts it all away. That's a sad, I, I, I saw that the other day, I'm like, that's sad. But so we all like money in a sense. It's useful. It can bring us to sin, but uh, it's easy to, given to the offering and not even put any thought into it. Or it's so easy to pass the plate, pass the bag, go past the box that's in the back at some churches. It's so easy. And so in the past few Sundays, we've been going through this very specific thing that Jesus has been doing. He's been doing the very last week of his life. Now he's down to days before they arrest him and kill him. Okay, this is a very interesting way uh, to spend his time the very end of his life. The very end of his life, according to Mark, is he's spending a lot of time in the temple, okay? he's He overthrew money changers' tables, remember that? He, like, got mad, and people really didn't like him after that. He debated teachers of religious law about specific things. They were trying to trap him to do, to say something that they could arrest him, okay? And then... He said all these good things that everyone was like, oh, man, we agree with those. One guy is bold enough to say, I like what you're saying. Now teach me a little bit more about what the most important commandment is. I want to know what I need to focus my life in. He said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. That is the most important thing. Then he was teaching the people in the temple, and then he was asking them the question. We talked about this last week. Then he does something very interesting. He takes a little, he, I don't know how big the, I can't tell you, I've never been to where the temple was. I should, you could probably Google it right now, but how long would it take you to get to one, from one side of the temple on the outside to go to the other side? I don't know right now, top of my head. But Jesus took a walk from where he was teaching and debating, if you will, and he walked over to the offering box in the temple because it was very common for people as they're walking in to do their tithes and offerings, you know, even jewelry, uh, diamonds, gold, silver, necklace, everything that they could use in the temple to do what the ministry called to do, okay? That was why they had it. But um, so he did a very curious thing that I am, it, it strikes me as curious. He goes and he sits down right next to the temple box, the collection box, and he watches people give. Now that makes me a little nervous. You, you ever had someone just stare at you when you're doing something? You're eating lunch, right? And you're going, and uh, uh, someone's looking at me from down, you know, we're at Applebee's or something at Lewiston, and someone's watching me. I say, I jokingly say, they must recognize me from YouTube. And Hayden just rolls his eyes. You know, the, just, just, you know, I'm a, 
online celebrity, you know. Um, but it's very nerve-wracking to have someone stare at you, right? Right? It happens. Some, a lot of people, when I'm preaching, they're looking down. Today, it seems like you're looking at me. That's good. That's good. I'm used to it. I'm, I'm used to, I, I don't mind people staring at me when it comes to church. But when I'm eating or when I'm giving, don't stare at me. I want to put, I want to do this giving thing in secret like Jesus told, but Jesus is going. So let me ask a question because he not only watched what they gave, he, uh, he watched how they gave and he watched their attitudes as they were giving. Remember, one of the things that Jesus said that's not even in the Gospels, it's in the book of Acts, that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. We, You know, thanks, Jesus, for putting that in there. You know, was it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? Thanks, Luke, for putting that that quote in there because he didn't say that, you know, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but we, we all understand that. And so my question is silly, but does God really watch our giving? Does he really care about our giving? Does he care about the attitude of our giving? Now, pause. Remember what he said at the very beginning of the sermon, what it's really about, okay? Then we can relax a little bit, okay? It's not about giving. It's not even how, we always get really tense about this because we're like, is, do, I, do I give before taxes or after taxes? People have asked me that and I go, I, I don't know. I have no idea. We're missing the point, okay? Do, do I have to look at my pay stub and I have to look before or after, you know, and, and, and we kind of wrestle with this, but... It's all about what Jesus has done for us and allowing that outpouring of the love that he has, as Michelle talked about. It's, it's, he's pouring his love into us. And how do I respond? What's the outpouring of my life? Not only we're talking about money, but I'm just talking about my life, how I'm treating people. Because it all begins with God pouring his love, and it's my response. Do I live a life of thanksgiving? Do I live a life of gratitude? Do I live a life of going, you know what, God? Maybe that, there's not one person in this room that's super rich. Maybe we can't go and buy the mansion up on the hill over there and just, you know, $2.5 million or whatever. Maybe we can't afford that. But God, thank you for this Blessing that you've given me. I looked at my wallet. I had $2. It's a really crispy one, so you know it's a good one. It's a real one, by the way. I don't know, but there's no, they don't put George Washington's face in the inside of it. So um, it's not even how much you give. It's always about allowing God to change you on the inside out. Does he care about attitude? Absolutely. Is he watching us when we give? And I'm not talking about just financial, but everything. Yes. But he's not watching us like a, a cosmic police officer getting ready. That's it. You did that with a frown. Shame on you. You know, you gave that $1 bill. But I like George Washington. I really, you know, they're not all presidents, but I really like that Benjamin Franklin guy. I wish I had more of him. Right? But, uh, He's not, remember, one of the sermons I talked about was that he wants our highest good and he wants our greatest joy. That's his desire for you. And oftentimes he will ask us to do things that are very challenging 
to get us to that place. But if we realize that he's bringing us to a place of our great, of our greatest good and our highest joy, then we can go through, we can go through anything if we have that in our mindset that God is leading us somewhere that is good. If we keep our eyes focused on the things right here, we just have tunnel vision. That's it. Just, we're never going to realize how good God really is. We'll just realize how horrible we are doing right this second. And so we're at the tail end of Mark 12. We're going to be in Mark 13 in a few weeks. And by the way, we're going to be studying Mark 13 in its entirety. It is the most controversial and debated chapters in the entire Bible. Just throwing that out. One of them. And Mark 16, tail end of the, uh, uh, of the book. The very ending of Mark is very controversial and debated. So are we going to figure it out? Probably not, but we're going to try. Mark 13 is going to be a whole fun little debate. Kind of not debate, but, you know, we're going to have fun with it. And uh, I love it. But Mark 12 at the very end, we're going to see a text that's not really about the money that the person gives. It's really about Jesus. And... It's about a person who Jesus and God Almighty completely transformed her life in a way that she, she loved God. She lived for God. She gave that the way that God wants us to give. She gave it in a way that's so countercultural because culture and my flesh says, hang on to this. Make as much of this as I can. Because retirement, Joel, it's not, it's, it's, it's somewhere out there. It's, I mean, I can look at my statement <laughs> and my 401k and I can get depressed, but I don't think this world has that long. But anyway, um, save as much of this you can. Oh, yeah, it smells good. Money's the dirtiest thing of all, everything. But anyway, um, shake my hand or whatever, pennies and coins, but, uh, What I want to do is I want to reintroduce you, maybe, to the love of Jesus and how he loves us in a way that revolutionizes our life and changes our lives and turns our life right side up. Our entire lives were born in a world that's crooked, upside down. Everything's backwards, right? Everything in this world, in a fleshly sense, it makes sense. But when you think about as a Christian, you look at the Christian way of living from a flesh standpoint, looking at it going, this does not make sense, God. But what he's doing, it's so countercultural that when he changes you, you take what he has created us to be and it's right side up. This world's upside down. Because sometimes we'd say, God's going to turn our world upside down. Wrong. He's going to turn our world right side up. It's, it's not messed up like this world is. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at two types of people. And what we're going to do, I'm going to read a little bit from the tail end of last week's message. Because what I love about this message and this section of scripture, the very end of Mark 12, it's Mark is purposely looking at two groups of people. There's actually, there's three groups of people, but the first two are linked together. Okay. A, there is teachers of religious law, which Jesus has been dealing with for a chapter or two. Okay? They're all about pride and outward showing of religion. Then we're going to add to that group rich people. Okay, Then you're going to contrast those group of people with this poor widow that literally has to her name a penny 
Now in those, that's a dangerous place to be even now, but let alone back then when, when you're a widow, you are at the mercy of what your husband left you. Maybe it's true today, but you couldn't work. You couldn't go, you know, I am so desperate. I'm just going to get a job cleaning and mopping or whatever the case may be. They wouldn't even let that. And the religion, religious people will see they've been, they've been robbing them. These same widows that we're going to be introduced to, they were using the power of their money and their religion to steal from them. Now, what are you talking about? Read Mark chapter 12, verse 38 and 40. The very first section, we ended the sermon with this passage of scripture. It says, Jesus also taught, beware of these teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace. Everybody remember this scripture from last week. If not, here we go. <laughs> right? And how they love to see the, love the seats of honor in the synagogues. And they love the head table at banquets. Yet, here we go. They shamelessly cheat widows. Say widows. Okay, in a very few uh, short moments, we're going to be introduced to another widow. So this is not a coincidence that they're talking about teachers of religious law cheating these widows out of their property. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, okay? I've looked it up, tried to find it. There's not a definite answer what that really means. My my guess is that they use their riches, the very fact they made all this money as a way of power over these people who had no power themselves, and they were able to basically take their property from them, their homes. That was what they were left. When their husband died, that's all they had left was the little bit of money that they left and that home. And these teachers of religious law, they love, they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property. And in the same sentence, these people, they cheat, and then they pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Think about that. Dwayne, look over there really quick. And he, I just steal everything that you're, you're, you have with you. I start driving your vehicles and I start grabbing the keys and, and, and going to your bank account, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm like, and then I'm like walking like this and praying. Like it's all a show. It's all a show. And here's the scary part. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. Now, if that doesn't scare you, I don't know what does. Because again, Jesus makes it very clear. Religion, now the word religion is not bad. The Bible talks about religion in James, pure religion, blah, 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 that kind of thing. But these people who are religious in name only, they're, they're a shell. They're, they're outside religious, but they're inside, they're atheists. They are going to be punished. God is going to look at them and say, I never knew you. Right? Jesus said that. But, 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 but we prayed these long, pious prayers. Jesus, no, I don't care. You cheated these people because of your power. So, if I could sum up these people in one word, it would be the word pride. Everything was a show. Everything was about themselves. It was, I'm going to show you how religious I am, but Jesus said the opposite. Everything you do that's religious, do it in private. As we were worshiping, I kneeled down here, and at the very same time I did that is my mind went to these scriptures here. 
Do I kneel down at the front of this church or should I have gone back there and done that back there? Because I thought about it. I was like kneeling. I'm like, well, it's too late now. I'm already here. Because I definitely didn't want to make it a show. I don't want to be severely punished because it's all a show. I want Jesus to so change my life that my outward appearance is not about a show, that I don't care about, wow, Joel looks so holy right now. He looks so righteous right now. I mean, who's Billy, Billy, Billy Graham? Who's that? There's Joel. I mean, you go on XM Radio, have a Billy Graham radio station, forget that. I want a whole station with my sermons. No, I don't. That'd be horrible. Okay, so that's one group of people, and we're going to add to that group of people one other type of person, but the word is pride. Everybody say pride. Okay, that's a very dangerous word when it comes to the the uh, kingdom of God. Verse 41, it's the next verse over. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dipped, dropped, dipped, as they dropped their money. Many rich people, say rich people, they put in large amounts. Then a poor widow. Okay, so there's a contrast here. Okay, you've got these teachers of religious law right before this who are proud, who are prideful. It's all about them. Then you have these rich people who are giving a lot of amounts. Now, for just a moment, just keep going with the story because it's like, is he against large amounts? Not necessarily. But in this, in this avenue right here, I think he was. And we'll tell you why. Okay. But then a poor widow came and they, she just dropped in two small coins, just bleep. You know, just plop. And then Jesus, he's sitting here. He goes, come over here, guys. Guys, guys, look, 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 look. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. What? These people gave hundreds of dollars. These people would scoff at this. This is just a dollar. I can go to the grocery store. How much can I really buy with this $1 bill? I don't know if I can. I, I think I can get, I, here. I work for Pepsi. You cannot buy anything for Pepsi with this anymore. I used to be able to buy, it used to be 88 cent, 20 ounce, and 99 cent, one liters for two years. Thank God, as an employee, I don't have to do that anymore. But I can't even buy a bottle of pop with this anymore. So they would, these rich people, they would scoff because they had so much more. This is not going to pay the lights around here. Have you seen the cost of electricity? Yeah, you have. <laughs> But this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything that she had to live on. If that's not challenging, then I don't know what scripture is. That scripture is the most challenging thing in my life. She gave everything that she had? Are you kidding me? Now how is she going to eat? I mean, have you? am I the only one that thought about that? Widows were not really, they were cheating them. They're supposed to be taking, now in the book of Acts, there were, was a very good ministry with Stephen. Remember the first martyr? He, there was, a, there was, a, there was um, deacons and there were that kind of thing. And they served the widows and even debated about which widow to take care of, which one's more important, but that's not there yet. At this moment, these religious people are cheating them of everything and she has nothing left. But these people, 
They gave out of their surplus. So there is a contrast. This, that's why I wanted to pause for this week and look at this scripture because A, it's challenging and I don't want to avoid the challenging scriptures. And I don't want to avoid the scriptures that people get a little nervous about because when I read it, I get nervous because like there's this widow that has nothing and she gave everything. If God asked me to write a check to have everything in my bank account to go bye-bye, how would I feel about that? Would I feel like the rich young ruler? Or would I feel like this lady? <sighs> That's a debate. I could debate with my spirit about that for a moment. Again, let me be very clear. As you read the scripture in whole, all the way through from the beginning to the end, there's a lot about giving. There's a lot about money. And it's never been about the amount because you can give a million dollars with a bad attitude. And God's like, you just threw away your money. You could have kept that. You should have kept it. Now what? See, these teachers of religious law, they're very pious. They show off their religion. They, they look the part of holy. Then you have rich people. They're putting money in the offering box. Then you have an extremely poor widow who has two coins, which a lot of, a lot of uh, translations will even put in how much it's worth, which is a fraction of a penny. A fraction of a penny, really? Like, I can't, penny? Like, I look at the ground, I see a penny, I'm like, that's not even worth me bending over and hurting my back for that penny. A quarter, yes. But a penny, no way. But So she's given a fraction of a penny, that's all she had. Now she can't even go to the grocery store. And so this poor widow basically gives a penny. I want you to imagine that someone walks in here, we take the offering, you have a millionaire in here, let's say. And they write a check for like $10,000. Oh, here, I'll take care of that. Here, give me that check. I'll take care of that and we'll make sure we're going to save that and be, we're going to be very careful with that. Someone walks in here that's not as well off. And all you hear is just this little crinkly little dollar. Again, you can't hardly buy anything at the store. I can buy, maybe I can buy a candy bar. Maybe. With tax, I don't know. I have no idea. When I was a kid, it was 50 cents. Two for, two for a buck. I'm like, ooh. And they just put it in the offering bag. Just, and I go, well, that's not going to pay the light bill this month. <laughs> it's easy to do that if you're human. With that $10,000 check, we're going to name the next building after you. Again, I'm not teasing or picking on certain churches and places. We have the youth room is named after someone. Okay? So I'm not against that, but oftentimes we reward people who give much, but someone that has, like, that's all they have. And they just kind of put it in there and that's it. We, 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 we like to think that we're grateful, but, like, Jesus, he would look at that if someone did that and go, that person right there gave more than that person with the $10,000 check. And I'm going, Jesus, are you, you're not a financial guru, are you? Like, have you ever been to a bank? See, Jesus saw something most people miss when it comes to giving. And I'm not, again, it's not just about money. It's about giving of our time, of our energy, of our effort, of, of our life to God. It's more than just money. Because, again, God doesn't need that. He has all the resources at his fingertips. 
right? He can speak into existence anything. He doesn't need this to pay for anything. So what's it really about? Well, there's a different way of to think about giving than just writing the check. And what we're going to do, we're going to contrast worldly giving versus godly giving. Okay, some of this is going to be, okay, that's a, that's a relief. Some of it's going to go, ouch. So number one, because we're talking about the religious people and these uh, rich people and the, the religious people, worldly giving is motivated by pride. Everyone say pride. This can happen to any one of us, even if you have this. Well, godly giving is motivated by humility. Here's the two words that you need to look at when you're reading this scripture, the scripture we read. Number one is you need to look at the pride of the religious people and these, these rich people. Okay? Then you need to look at the humility of this poor widow. Look at how good I am. Look at how spiritual I am. Look at how much I give. This place wouldn't even exist without my giving. See, pride can creep into my life. I thought about this so much this last week because this is how I would think if I'm being human for just a moment because I am human all the time. I can't help it. You know what, God? I work my tail off for this money. I don't know where the dollar came from. I have no idea. I don't have cash. I don't know where it came from, but it's from the Lord, right? But eh, what? It was yours. Thank you. She puts the cash in my wallet. And then it disappears. But, Lord, I worked my tail off for that money. It's mine. And stepping outside of my role as pastor and Christian and just looking at that person saying that, I'd go, yeah, you're right. You did work your tail off. You sweat by the sweat of your brow and and." and Kicking up and you're doing all this stuff, and someone wrote you a check or something. Man, you did earn that. Congratulations. It is yours. But look at how how much that's prideful and saying, look at what I've accomplished. Look at what I've done. And I understand because sometimes, okay, let's be honest, most of the time I go home from work, I'm like, I I I I'm I'm so sick of physical labor. How many of us love physical labor like nonstop? Most people don't. Again, I don't want a desk job either, but what do I want? I don't know. But I go home, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm tired. So I get it. But look at how prideful it is. Who gave me the ability to work? It all belongs to God. I'm just a steward. Now, Pastor, now you're getting a little bit too preachy here. Well, it all belongs to God. Psalm 89.11. So if you have a problem with that, bring it up to God. <laughs> because, look, Lord, I earned this. I clocked in. I, have a, I, ha, I clock in in my, in my phone, and I hit, I hit the button, and it clocks me in. When I'm done, I go back on the app, log in, and then I clock it out, and that's how they get my hours. Then they magically send me the paycheck with the Pepsi driver, and he hands it to me. Then I have to sign it and take a picture of it, and it goes to Wells Fargo. And then I'm able to use my debit card. It's, But God, this is mine. No, 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 no. Look at Psalm 89. The heavens are yours, and the earth is yours. Everything. Say everything. Let, I'm a Hebrew scholar right here. You know what that means? 
All, everything, 100%, everything in the world is yours. You created it all. And it's pride when I say, Lord, I did this. It's mine. Have I said that? You better believe it. Have you said it? You better believe it. You can't say that, Pastor. If you're human, if you've never said that, then I will admit you're not human. You're already in heaven or something. I have no idea. But we've all said that. God, really? See, everything, including my money, belongs to God. But where does my energy come from? Where do I get the ability to work hard? Who gives me breath? It's pride that says, I have everything because I have accomplished it. I have earned it. It's mine. This house this church building, this stage, this drum set, everything, this is, we've earned it. This right here, it's mine. You can't take it. You can take it from my cold, dead hands, but you're not taking it right now. Why? Because I earned it. That's pride. Now, none of us do that out loud. But sometimes I, we, will write a check and I'll go, man, I worked for that. We've learned over the years as a married couple, we've pretty much, there's a few times that we didn't tithe over the years, right? But we've been pretty regular. And I'm not saying it's a proud thing. I'm just saying we've been fine. I had waffles last night. Those were awesome. We're not starving. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> right? I'm able to get up and go to work and do all that kind of stuff. And we have a car. That's mine. No, 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 no. Listen. Deuteronomy 8.17. Again, if you're a Christ follower, not a religious person, if you're a Christ follower, you'll read this next ver- these verses and you'll go, I don't like it, but it's right. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 through 18. You're going to want to remember these verses. It, it, I mean, it is so plain and clear. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Haven't I just been saying that? But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Oh, ooh, ouch. We Listen, if you're a religious person, you're just going to tune out right now. Nope, mine, mine, mine. And if I'm going to give, I'm going to let everyone know about it. But if you're a Christ follower, if you want to honor God, if you, if you have that foundation, you look at it and you go, ouch. But I can't deny it. He's the, he's my sustenance. He's the reason that I'm alive. Pride says, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this. It's, it's mine. But remember the Lord your God, for it's he. Who, who is it? He, God. He gave you the ability to produce wealth. That means everything that we have is his. Thank you. Appreciate that. So we need to remember God doesn't need our money. He has it all. He owns it all. 
then why get, listen, we give out of the overflow of his blessings. And we give because of how he has provided for us and how he has changed us. We give as an offering to God to say, thank you, Lord. That's what, it's not even, you can write a million dollar check and if it's not a thank you, then what's the point? Because God doesn't need the money. What's, why do we do it then? Because everything that we do, including the giving, not only financial, but everything that we do, everything that we're about, everything that we're involved in, it's because it's an out, it's an overflow of the things that God has done in my life. And this is a small token of God. Everything's yours. And I put my trust in you. You're my Lord. I didn't earn anything. See, this is a humble picture of even the poor widow as she offers a penny. Even the penny is a picture of the grace of God in her life. Could the penny change the world? No. Could the pe- If the people in the temple that were in charge of it that were going to open later on, open the box and go, they'd go, ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at that necklace. Wow, that's, that's going to work. That's worth a lot. Ooh, look at that gold. Oh, look at this little copper thing. Eh. See that garbage can, just throw it. We don't need it. Eh. It's not worth anything, really. It's not going to change the world. God didn't need her penny. What God wanted, she gave to him her heart. Her heart. She basically gives a penny and says, Lord, thank you for your free grace that you give me. Number two. And this is, this is very difficult. Number two is the worldly giving wants to be seen. Where's the offering bag right now? Okay. I want to put it in there for, okay. Can you hear it? See? We just, here, I'll do it. Why do I? <laughs> There you go. Okay, that will. I said I was going to take it back and put it in my pocket. <laughs> that would be a really good example. <laughs> I have another doll in my wallet. That's fine. It'll give me a candy bar. I know. God's watching and everybody else is. But see, God, worldly giving wants to be seen. Godly giving wants to be behind the scenes. And as a pastor, as a leader, I want to look at that and look at what that really means. I don't think that means get rid of all offering baskets and everything. I don't really, I I think it's all about your heart. Because what's interesting about the offering boxes in the temples, they they were shaped in the very top like a trumpet. So every time that you gave, you could hear it around the whole temple, at least in that area. Okay, you have a bunch of gold. They didn't have dollar bills. See, I'm missing that dollar. You, you couldn't hear the crinkle. You had gold. You had silver. You had copper. You had different things. You had different kind of materials that were loud. So imagine if you're rich and you have this big bag of money and you put it in this big box, but it's shaped. Maybe you've been to a mall one time and you put that little penny in there and it spins around. I don't know if you know what that is, but it, it's, it, what I don't, can't think of what it is, but you, those are fun. When I was a kid, we used to go to the mall and we're like, ooh, that's really cool. But that's how it's shaped. They're always shaped like that. 
So when you drop the whole, the rich, you pour all the thing, you hear, ding, 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 ding. It's like going to the casino. And the more money you gave, the more people would look at you. Like, I wrote this down literally. It's like the casino, you have a jackpot. There's noise. There's attention from everyone. Everybody stops pushing the button, and they go. And the more you make, the, the more that you, the casino pays you out, they start to look at you like, ooh. And some of these people have been doing this for hours. They've made zero. And someone just walks in there, pushes the button really quick. Ooh, $1,000. Perfect. That's a lot of work. And someone like just, I have to go home and tell my wife that I've just lost the house, right? No, that, I hope not. But, um, but that's, it's like you, you, you go this and you hear all sorts of different noise. And then the widow just goes there. I can't prove it, but I think copper is going to sound less. Probably not. I don't know. Gold's probably going to sound loud. Silver's going to sound loud. Copper is just blink, blink. That sounds too good to be true, but I don't know. I have to look that up. It's like a soft, softer metal. But anyway, um, the, the, the religious people, they wanted all the noise. But the widow gave two coins. There was minimal noise. She did not want to be seen. The religious people... I'm sure they poured everything they had from their bag. Ding, 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 he physically said, Jesus says to do our giving in secret. He even said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Are you kidding me? You're like, hey. And the guy's like, yeah, what? Look over there. And you're like, I have no idea. What that means is that you need to do so secretive that, I mean, even yourself, you can barely remember if you gave or not. Just don't make a big deal out of it. This is a scary one. Number three is worldly giving desires power over others. But godly giving demonstrates trust in God. See, the rich people gave, but they gave a lot. They gave in a way that produced not only power to the church and the, and the temple, but power to themselves. They had influence. They had influence. If you give to, if you go to the very end of the text, you're going to see that the widow gives everything she has to get, live on, two coins. That leaves nothing left in her bank account. Now, I want to pretend to be our financial advisor. And I'm a Christian financial advisor. This lady goes to the bank. She sits down and she says, my husband died. I have nothing left except for this $10 bill. And the religious people, they stole, they got my house. They claimed it because they had the money. They had enough money. They had so much power over me. And all of a sudden, they have my home. I have nothing. But I feel like God is asking me, give these two coins to the church. Now, me as my finance, I'm the financial advisor sitting there in my fancy chair. And I'm going, and I'm, I'm going, as a godly person, I'm going, it's obvious that you care. It's obvious that you have a good heart. It's obviously that you love God. But use godly wisdom. Wouldn't we tell her that? 
Take that $10. It's not much, but take that $10. God knows that, God knows your heart. He knows your, your, your heart's good. He knows that you love him. But take that $10. Go to Cloninger's. Go buy yourself some groceries. Use godly wisdom. But see, that would be the, that would be the wisdom, that would be the advice that we would usually give. But what you need to do is when we read this scripture, we need to look at how Jesus responded or how he didn't respond. I mean, how he, what he didn't do. He didn't stop her from giving the last two pennies. He didn't. He could have, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, test over. You're good. Here, take those back. In fact, here's a $100 bill. See, God blesses. If you, if you give, I'm going to give you $100, right? He didn't even do that. He said, this lady right here, this, sorry, this lady right here, <laughs> she gave more than everyone else. And they're like, no, she didn't. Yeah, she did. See, we, Jesus did not stop her from doing that because he knew it demonstrated trust in God. But for the worldly giving, for those religious people, they desired power over these same people who trusted God, these widows. They had so much power financially that they were able to rob them of their goods, rob them of their homes, and you have nothing left. So that's where their money came, went. It gives them power over others. But she trusted God. Okay, four, worldly giving is comfortable and convenient. For these rich people it was. I've talked with people, you know, inflation is, is pretty bad. And the people I hear that say, hey, actually, inf- inflation is not even that bad. It hasn't been bad at all for the last couple of years. I'm like, well, how rich are you? It hasn't really infect- it hasn't impacted you at all in your real world. Obviously, you're not going to the grocery store. That, I mean, that's what I want to say. I'm like, you obviously, someone else is shopping for you. See, these rich people, they were able to write the big check, and it didn't mean anything. They're just like, eh, whatever. Godly giving, and there's two words that we do not really like if you're human, is godly giving is sacrificial and costly. This cost the lady everything. And, again, I don't, I, I, I agree with what this scripture is saying. It's a very short passage of scripture but I don't like it. I don't like it. Because it's so against the culture. It's so against the flesh. It it just, it's really sacrificial and costly. You cannot read this scripture without saying that. Because look at Jesus. He said this. In verse 44, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. How can that be true? Listen, did she have to give that money? No. Jesus did not require that. Jesus did not say give. He didn't say it. Now, if we read the Bible about tithing and that kind of stuff, we get a little confused. Listen, when it comes to these offerings, these free will offerings, we call them love offerings, we call them. 
Jesus didn't go, you better give this much. You better do it. He didn't do that. This was a reaction to the goodness of God that's been in her life. God is the one that's taking care of her. Her husband's gone. She has, I'm guessing, no home because they took the, the religious people. They took it from her. They bought it from her, I'm sure. And she had nothing. All she had was God. She goes, God, thank you. Here's my contribution. It showed that Jesus really had her heart. I read it. I wrote it down yesterday in my, with my pen because I've heard it. If you really want to see someone's heart, look at their bank statement. Someone used to say, Pastor, I know Troy Jones, he used to say a lot, you know, you can't really use this, but if you want to know someone's heart, their condition of their relationship with God, look at their checkbook. I have, a ch- I have checks, but I rarely, I usually use my debit card or I look online to see how much we have instead of going through all the old-fashioned receipts and writing it down. But if, you, if I'm being honest, if I want to know the condition of my heart, I got to look at my bank statement, see what I focus on. As much as I hate to admit that, but it would be a way of how I would see what I value, see what I trust in. We're almost finished. We got a scripture, and we'll be almost done there. Second Corinthians 8, 3 through 5, it talks about an offering that they, the, the church made for Jerusalem. Jerusalem people had, they needed help. And they did not say, you better give. It was a free will offering. It was a love offering. No one was required to do it. They didn't even say how much. Look at Second Corinthians 8, verse 3 through 5. Paul is just beaming with pride in a good, good sense with his church. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. This reminds me of the widow. And they did it in their own free Well, in other words, no one put a gun to their head and said, you better do this. This is what it means to be a Christian. He never said that. They, look at this, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Please, can you empty out the box? We want to give more. Are these people crazy? Like, who does that? The only answer I have for that, who does that, is someone that's been so changed by God that that is the that's one of the ways that they're outpouring their heart to God. That's I, that's only I mean, who would do that? They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to. So they did what they felt was right, and then they went on top of that. Who does that? Those who allow the love of God to flood their heart. And again, when I'm preaching, when I preach, I don't preach as this guru that knows everything. I preach out of, I, I, you know, I'm not only the president, I'm a client, right? I, I, I'm trying to figure this stuff out myself because I'm like, Lord, help me. I want to be so impacted by your love that my attitude, forget the whole idea that it was a gift to the people in Jerusalem. Look at their heart. Look at their heart. Why would they do that? Why would they go above and beyond what they even expected? Paul's like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, you realize that 
the month is still a little bit long left. They go, I don't care. I, I don't care. The last one, and this, we're not even going to camp on it at all, but it's true. Worldly giving bears fruit for a while, but godly giving bears fruit forever. It does. The way that you live your life, the way that you give in your time and your talents and your treasure and your finances and your resources and, and, and your whatever, you just throw in whatever. You, the way that you give to this world, the way that you give to God, the way that you present yourself, it's going to bear fruit that lasts for all eternity. The, when they were given to that church in Jerusalem, they were impacted forever. The church in Corinth who had problems... They got one thing right, right? They had a lot of problems, sinful problems. But for some reason, they gave and gave and gave. But when you give to God, you're investing. And I'm not, again, money, time, talent, treasure, whatever. When you give, you're not wasting your time. You're not wasting your treasure. You're not wasting your talent. You're not wasting any of that. You're you are investing in the kingdom of God, not in Pastor Joel's bank account. Why do I work a second job? So I don't have to rely on this paycheck. Is that That's honest. That's too honest a little bit, but that's why. Okay? Do we have to work a second job? We've done the numbers. No. We want to do what God is asking for us to do. And it's challenging, but I would rather be much more like that poor widow than those rich people and the religious people. Look how Jesus responded to her. He, he blessed her. Amen? Lord, thank you. Even as we give, a lot of times it is a challenge it is. It's a challenge, Lord. But you've, you've asked us to be generous with every part of our life because you've been generous. You've given everything, Lord God. And I read stuff like this, the story that's in this scripture, and it is so challenging. It, it hurts to read it. But the reality is you want our highest good and you want our greatest joy. And the way to do that is through obedience. So God, as we take some moments throughout the week. Allow us to not get so caught up in the amount, but Lord, let us lean our ears upon your spirit. God, what are you asking us to do? What are you asking us to give when it comes to time, resources, talent, treasure, money? What are you having us focus on, Lord God? Because it's different for me than it is other people. It really is. It's not a set number. It's what you're asking for me. And God, it's going to be a challenge. But like the widow, we put our trust in you, not in our riches, not in our resources, not in my ability to do all this stuff, but it's my in the ability of God Almighty to provide for me. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.